0: Mac Power Users, Episode 692, State of the Platforms, Spring 2023. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm joined by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks.
1: Hello, Stephen. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am really looking forward to this episode. I like the state of the platform shows. I feel like um we should address it. We should have like um the listeners all congregate. We should have a platform. Like mm. we could take turns. I could sit behind you while you talk, and you could sit in front of me while I talk. <laughs> you know?
0: I, that feels fancy.
2: I kinda yeah, like I know
1: it. maybe. Uh, we we could wear a tie, but I I honestly have not worn a tie since the last time I went to a court. So um, that's kind of my thing. So I don't know that we would wear ties, but we would do it properly.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I don't want to wear a tie either. So yeah,
1: yeah. But nobody would be allowed to stand up and shout us down. That would they'd be immediately ejected. Mm. Um, well, we could make um, who would, on relay would be a good sergeant at arms. I don't think it'd be Hurley. I think it'd have to be somebody else. No, I don't know. Yeah. We can think about that. I think Kathy Campbell. I think <laughs> Kathy Campbell would <laughs> grab you by the scruff of the neck and just throw you at the door if you okay. started to shout us down. <laughs>
0: okay. Hear that, Kathy? Get on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's a unicorn and all, but sh- don't mess with her.
0: Yeah, they're pointy on the end. You got to be careful.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, we do have a little housekeeping here at the top of the show. Uh, the most important bit is that this is Relay FM membership time, we do a drive every May and June because this is when our annual specials roll out. So if you are a member of any relay FM show, you will get an extra bonus episode of all the shows across the network. So say that you are a supporter of Mac Power Users, where you will also get the focused and connected annual specials. We make them for everybody. They're always a lot of fun. Uh, a couple are already out the door, and I've listened to some others. And there's a lot of fun stuff coming. Ours is coming out in a few weeks. And what we want to do is have q uh, and A Q&A with questions from members. So uh, now is a great time to join. In addition to these annual specials, you get access to our, our really, co- really cool, really cool Relay FM Discord server, a monthly newsletter, but you also get every single week, longer ad-free versions of the show. So you can learn more at Relay.fm slash MPU. There's a join link there. You can get signed up. And uh, we'd love to have you. And so if you are a member today on More Power Users, we're going to talk about how you can submit those questions. And we're also going to provide an update on our time tracking because we had a recent question about that from a listener.
1: Yeah, and let me just say for this member special... We are going to be very liberal about the kinds of questions we allow in. The, there are there are limits, of course, but uh, Stephen doesn't know this. But I've just decided, yeah, we're we're not just going to answer questions about tech. So whatever you ask us, we just might answer it.
0: The weirder, the better. Uh, yeah, I say. Look, the annual specials are a place to get weird. So yeah, just, right. just for an example, on ungenius, which is so I do with Mike Hurley, where we talk about weird stuff on Wikipedia. Our annual special is us going through Jason Snell's Wikipedia page. Now. Nice. As of me speaking the sentence to you, it's not out yet. It will be out uh, by the time this episode publishes. I don't know how Jason's going to react, but I think it's going to be hilarious no matter what happens.
1: Do you do you have a Wikipedia page too? No. I never looked. No. Yeah, me not, either. I'm not that fancy. I'm mm-hmm. just not that fancy. I know it's a bummer. Yeah. I I will leave this planet with no Wikipedia. Just, just he was here and now he's gone, just like that.
0: <laughs> we are but a vapor. I think that's in uh, Ecclesiastes somewhere. You
1: know. Yeah, there you go. There Man you is go. not
0: born nor does he die with a Wikipedia
1: page. There you go. There you go. And uh, but hey, so long as you have fun along the way. The, uh, the first topic for state of the platforms. Now, what we like to do with this is go through and kind of break down how we see things are going. Maybe you could call it a sort of scorecard. But what we're really trying to do is document for the ages where Apple is on these various platforms that it's released, both hardware and software. We started this years ago and we were doing one show per platform, but I think we've kind of got the history down now with those prior shows, and now we're going to just take them all. Yep. This is always a good time to do it about this time of the year. We've had a year with the most recent operating systems and hardware, and as we head into June, which really is kind of the the revolutionary WWDC, where everything starts to change, uh, this is a great time to stop and take a look at how Apple's doing and what we think about the various platforms. So we're going to be covering macOS, iOS, iPadOS, watchOS, Apple TV, HomePod, and and some of the other miscellaneous things Apple has. Um, These will be our opinions, but we have a forum. If you have different opinions, you could share those at uh, talk.macpowerusers.com. but I think we should just get started.
0: Yeah. Let, let's jump in and let's start with macOS Ventura. This is uh, macOS version 13. I don't know about you, but I've sort of given up on keeping up with the version numbers of macOS. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've lost track, too. Yeah. I mean, that was a big deal, I remember. Like, I think, honestly, I think I lost track at about Tiger. So,
2: <laughs>
1: but, the you know, it's just, you know, Apple had the... um Apple had the idea of let's do a yearly update. And that started way back when, although it wasn't really yearly for a while, but they, they did frequent updates to their operating system compared to Microsoft. And I really always felt like in the early days, that was one of the selling points that Apple just made slow, regular progress, whereas Microsoft would wait, you know, five or more years and yeah. then have this big, big change and everybody had to like kind of adjust at once. Um, I thought the Apple model was good. Um, but I guess maybe that's a topic for right now in the state of the platforms. Uh, w- this came up even just last week with our guests, but uh, I think we both are kind of of the opinion that we don't need annual updates to the Mac OS anymore.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think we're both, we're both there with that. And if, if you look at what gets added to Mac OS Most of the time now, it is to keep it in step with iOS and iPadOS. And I just don't know if that really requires a full-blown new version number and new name. I I would much rather things slow down and maybe, you know, a a big point update comes out in the summer. And that's when it gets, you know, say like iCloud family sharing for photos, right? Big feature across all of Apple's platforms that didn't have to be tied to Ventura. It didn't have to be tied to 13.0. Why couldn't that have been, you know, to use the Windows term, a service pack, but an update to, to Mac OS. And I think the reality is that most of these updates that we've seen over the last seven, eight, nine years have kind of amounted to that. So maybe it is a bit semantic, but at the same time, it it takes a little while for these OSs to kind of stabilize, right? Usually the 0.0 has some sort of weird stuff. And if you use a Mac in production, our advice is always make sure that your tools work on it. And it would be nice yeah. to get off that part of the treadmill, I think.
1: Yeah. I And, you know, just to do the math, I mean, and I, I talked about it briefly last week, but I wasn't that descriptive. But the way... I I've talked to people at Apple about this and and they said they they've always told me that that's the problem is we're adding these features to iCloud, running the features to iPad and Mac and we want I'm sorry, iPad and iPhone so we want them to come across. A great example is last year Apple Mail got some great new features across all three platforms at once and that's why they have to be in parity. But they're not in parity. I mean ultimately what happens is uh, iPad and iPhones ship first their their software updates and the Mac is a month or two behind because they got to hit that hardware deadline for the new iPhone and so we're not really in parity as it is and the math problem that I was trying to refer to is this is what happens okay let's start in June WWDC so you've got a new um, you've got a new set of features that you've decided upon and from June to September you're working like mad to like nail those down and get them right. And in the case of the Mac, it really seems like it's June to October. So there's the first chunk of your year uh, with regard to this. October, it gets out. You probably got another month of patches and updates to once everybody starts using it to get it really going. So it's like maybe you're to November or December before you're really able to dream up what's going to come next year. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then you've got, let's say three months from December to Jan- to February or March to say, okay, this is the dream period where we're going to come up with cool new features and like do the hard work of figuring what those are. But then you've got to kind of lock that down around March or so because then you've got to get it working good enough that by the time you get to June, you know, you start over again. So that really gives you effectively three to four months to come up with cool new stuff and the rest of the year you're working on it or fixing it now if we had the ability to say let's do that over two years that make new cool stuff feature uh goes from three months to maybe 15 months
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and so i that's the general idea of it i but i understand that they want to have stuff match and and you would need point updates to do stuff like photo sharing but I would love for some of the teams that are working on these bigger ideas to have more than three months to dream up something new. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think one of the the big features in Ventura is kind of the poster child for some more time in the oven would be good, and that was system settings, right? Yeah. There's no argument that system preferences, like the system had just outgrown it, right? It was just this really old view into all of your preferences, and different teams treated it differently, and you had a bunch of like hodgepodge of ideas on UI, and some of them dated way back to like the early 2000s, and some of them were newer. And with system settings, the idea was to sort of hit the reset button, make it more like iPhone and iPads setting apps. But I think most Mac users would say they they fell short of where it should be there's still a hodgepodge of ui ideas in there and some of it is just downright confusing now it's less buggy than it was you know during the beta cycle or the 0.0 or the 0.1 it doesn't crash when you do certain things anymore but i'm still not sure it's where it needs to be and that one i think could have spent a little more time a little more time baking you know maybe it's 20 years of muscle memory but I just find myself searching for things because I don't, like, I haven't wrapped my head around where things are in the new structure. And so that will get better with time, I think. But I also think some of it just, it needs a rethink.
1: Yeah, well, and and if you go back, there's plenty of shows before this where we both agreed system settings needed a rework, right? Mm -hmm. And, And part of the problem, I think, is that the the lack of dedicated teams like i know for a fact that the iWork team is a dedicated team and what we've seen iWork you know transform itself you know they they kind of step back to make everything you know, to have that parity with the platforms but if you look at all the progress they've made over the years this is a suite of apps that has a group of people that are doing nothing but working on making it better all the time yeah. and that show that bears fruit you know and um, maybe if I was in charge of Apple, it's really easy to say this stuff from the outside. I have no idea the constraints they are facing. So, you know, I apologize to everybody at Apple as I say this stuff because I really don't know. But, but it would seem to me like one way to solve the problem would to say, okay, you five people are the system settings team. That's your job now. And, and, you know, you may have a big update this year, but you may not have another big update for two years. And that way you get the 15 months to really fix it. But the impression I get is that a lot of this stuff is they're they're shuttling, you know, a group of good, talented developers between things. Um, and there's not really dedicated teams on some of these pieces like there is on iWork. Yeah. And if they were able to do that, that would be amazing. Maybe, you know, it's hard because you can't find enough talented developers or I don't know what the reason, or maybe it's just expensive and they don't want to spend the money. I I don't know why.
0: Or people just don't want to work on settings, right? They want to work on something more exciting.
1: Yeah. But, but it would be nice if you had a group of people that just did and they could really drill in on it and make it great instead of, like people that spend two weeks on it, you know, and then they move on to the next thing and it never really gets fixed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I just feel like that's a systematic problem with the Mac and the Mac is definitely the, you know, it's the second class operating system because Apple makes half of its revenue off the iPhone. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's very consistent if you look at their results. I mean, half of the company, You take everything else and add it up. And it adds up to the iPhone alone. So, um, of course, that's going to get the most focus. But uh, it, it does. I do feel like if we're looking at the state of the platform, the Mac could really stand to have more uh, people working on it full time. Uh, system Settings is a great example. I think another one uh, from last year, Stage Manager. Right. Um, I I really tried to make Stage Manager work for me, and I tried it to my own, you know, pain and suffering sometimes because Mm. it just really isn't that good for the Mac and like for people who want to have common setups, like a thing I always preach, like have your Mac set itself up so you can do your best work without having to fiddle with it. uh, It's not really very good for that. And it doesn't have the kind of tools it needs to do that. Right. It's close, but it's like 80% close. And that last 20% makes all the difference. And we haven't really seen any progress on it. I'm not sure that we will this year at WWDC either. I guess that's really a discussion for another day. But but I feel like that's the kind of stuff that is indicative of an operating system that needs more dedicated support.
0: I kind of feel confused about Freeform. It was announced last year as like a feature of macOS and iOS. But... It's a standalone app, but the updates it's gotten have been in macOS updates, not standalone like iWork updates. It's very, yeah. very confusing. We did a whole show on it. They have made uh, a lot of improvements to it over uh, the the year that it's been out. But it's one that I still just sort of scratch my head at because I, I don't know where it fits. I don't know where it goes. I don't know how Apple thinks about it. Uh, it seems like Apple thinks of it as an OS feature, but that that's so strange to me. If it's part of the iWork team, why does it get updates in Mac OS? And if it's not part of the iWork team, why not? No ideas.
1: Yeah. Well, so I feel like Freeform is an example of of Apple doing it right. You know, we've we've talked on the show. Um, and we talked enough about what we don't like. So let's talk about something that we do like. And that is this, this emphasis on productivity and useful applications yes. that's returned. And Freeform, to me, is another example of that. After we did that show, we heard from people on the Freeform team. I mean, uh, the fact that we heard from people and there is a Freeform team are both bits of good news, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Apple has people actively working on this. And I expect it's going to get a lot better. Um, it's already useful. I, I, I've got one freeform board that I've been working on sharing with my team and trying to make it kind of like our workflow system page where we see who does what on everything. And it's really, I think, nice. And uh, we're not using it as much as I'd like, but we're, we're going to get there. And, um, I just feel like that is, you know, this stuff done right. And of course this isn't just on the Mac, but it is an example of them, them working on something. And I think, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that's going well.
0: Yeah, I think so too. That renewed focus on those core apps has been nothing but good. And I hope that Apple hears that from its users and sees that people are moving to these applications, you know, as as reminders and notes and mail, and they all get better, right? People who need more can use them. And Apple always has to balance, right? We talked about this a lot over the past year. They have to balance these apps are for the masses versus power users who are going to always want or need more. But I think Apple's moving in the right direction there. And I, I agree with you. It's That's been very encouraging to see this cycle.
1: You know, another thing that's happened is we got a lot of updates. And we kind of mentioned to the productivity apps, to Mail, Messages, Spotlight. Did those pay off this year?
0: I think they have. I think seeing that investment in the like the core infrastructure, like Spotlight is infrastructure. I mean, it is a search tool, but it also powers a lot of other things. Seeing that get better, seeing Apple compete with the likes of Alfred and LaunchBar and Raycast and these others in more interesting ways, uh, that's fantastic. And basically, everybody uses mail and messages. And those are, for a lot of people, things that are always running, right? You're always interacting with them. And for them to get better is always a good thing.
1: Yeah, and and related to that, reminders and notes just outstanding. I've heard from so many labs members that have moved to reminders as their sole task manager yeah. and with good cause, it's a great app. And the notes myself I'm using a bunch my uh, my little I hate to use the word mastermind, but it's it's a group of people I work with that help, you know, we kind of coach each other about what we're doing but we moved our whole platform into Apple notes where we've got a shared folder and we've got all the notes in there. And it's very easy for us to share stuff with each other. All that stuff is rock solid and absolutely ready for prime time. So I feel like, you know, Ventura with a bunch of changes it brought is just evidence of Apple getting a lot of this stuff, right. Uh, Really quick before we move on to the next platform, I want to just check in on hardware for the Mac. I have, Been thinking about it lately because, we, you know, the last few years, all we can talk about is how much we love Apple Silicon. Mm -hmm. And I think that is remains true, particularly at the low end. There is, you know, you get the MacBook Air, you get the Mac Mini, you've got a very powerful computer, much more powerful than you got at the low end of the Intel era. Uh, I do have a concern about the top end. And the more I think about this Mac Pro that has been lingering out there somewhere, Uh, I feel like the switch to Apple Silicon, if there is a downside to it, it's the conundrum of how to make a super powerful Mac Pro that deals with third-party cards. And Apple hasn't given us their answer yet. I was hoping we would have it by now. Uh, If the rumors are to be believed, we may not even get it this year at WWDC either. But I think the Apple Silicon revolution, while it benefits 95, 98% of us, I think for the very, very top of the food chain, the people who need unlimited RAM and unlimited processing power, it actually may turn out to be a, a bit of a quandary.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that story finishes. Clearly, they've missed the two-year mark uh, that they when they announced at WBC a couple of years ago. But I, I think you're right. And I hadn't really thought about it in sort of that lens. That yeah, it's it's the most beneficial to the low end systems that that most people buy. Most people use a MacBook Air or a Mac Mini or an iMac, right? There, those systems far outsell the you know 16 inch MacBook Pro and the Mac Studio. I have so many questions about the Mac Pro, but uh, we can get to that when we get there. But I do think that Apple Silicon overall has been just fantastic for the Mac platform. Uh, not only do you have the power and the battery life, but it does open the door to running iPhone and iPad apps on the Mac as well. I don't think either uh, you or I are doing a lot of that. I, I got a couple that I use sometimes, but I'm not relying on like an iPhone app on my Mac as part of my workflow every week. But the fact that the doors open to that is a good thing. And shows, uh, you know, that these these platforms can can really live side by side in a really fluid and interesting way.
1: Yeah, agreed. And all this stuff is good. And, and what I want to, just to kind of clarify the point on the Apple Silicon, I think it's a, a win for almost everybody. Yeah. Everybody up through the people who are getting the most out of the most high-end Mac Studio. It's just the Mac Pro story I'm not sure about. And I'm starting to wonder if apple silicon makes it harder for them to make the super mac for the people that you know want to put an insane amount of ram in it or something like that and, and we'll, we'll see i mean maybe they have an answer we haven't seen it yet but that there is a little bit of an asterisk on apple silicon but mm-hmm. for almost everyone hearing this podcast it's actually better right yep. uh, it's just a, just those few people that need unlimited computing Resources that I think mm-hmm. there may be a little challenge there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander, the original sponsor of the Mac Power Users. Go to Textexpander.com slash MPU today to get 20% off. Text Expander is the power user version of a text replacement tool. It starts simple where you type a few characters or a word or two and it auto-fills in long snippets for you but text expander goes so much further than that because it is the power user version. For example, you can embed Apple scripts. You can embed specific keys like the tab key or the return key. You can even tell text expander where to put the cursor in the expanded snippet after it places it. Now I use that when I make the snippet to name files. So I give an entire name, but then I insert the cursor right in the middle so I can type a description. There's so much you can do with Text Expander, and not only does it work for you, it also works with your team. With Text Expander, you can have shared accounts with your team so you can create the most important snippets for your company and get them all out with unified language and a unified message. The team at Text Expander is tireless, always making the application better. It's a great tool because it's got a very low barrier of entry, but also it's got a very high ceiling. You can do so much with this application. It's used by many companies, including companies like Uber, Dropbox, SketchUp, 1Password. And with very little effort, you can save yourself a ton of work. So go over to textexpander.com slash MPU right now. Check it out. Get that 20% off and start automating your workflows today.
0: So let's switch gears and talk about iOS and iPadOS 16. How does that sound?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because... That is also getting to be an operating system that doesn't have the big, you know, big features coming out every year because they've they've picked all the low hanging fruit, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But how did we do with the stuff we got last year? Uh, Let's start with the the big one, the lock screen customization. I love it. I use it all the time. I've got uh, context sensitive widgets that show up based on which focus mode I'm in and it sits here vertically on my desk most of the day. And I look down at it constantly. That was a big win for me.
0: Yeah, it's huge. My, uh, I think I've, I've shared already, my 12 year old daughter got her first iPhone this year. She was running track and it was away from home a lot for that, like in the afternoons and stuff. And she has so many lock screens Set up. She has an iPhone 8 that I had a battery put in at the Apple store. And yeah, just I mean, she probably has a dozen of them, and they're like pictures of her friends, pictures of family, picture of our dog. And she just changes them based on what she wants. Like she's not, she doesn't tie them to focus modes and all that stuff, right? Like
1: she yeah. does if, have, do if not she disturb. did, I'd be worried. Obviously. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she has Do Not Disturb set up <laughs> automatically for school. But every time I look at her phone, I feel like it's different. And she loves the customization. She's also a huge Widget Smith user by our friend underscore David Smith. Sure. And I got to be like the cool dad for a second. But like, you know, he's a, he's a friend of mine. She was like, no way yeah. you know him. <laughs> You're like, yeah. you know, the person who made this because Widget Smith is everywhere on middle schoolers phones because they all want widgets with photos of their friends in there.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, I, I feel like that lock screen was a win uh, that, that to me and I'm not, done asking for additional features on it i'd like more but i mean there's a lot i would like always and the problem with apple is when they give me something i like i immediately want them to make it twice as good mm-hmm. and that doesn't always happen uh but the uh but yeah the lock screen widgets are a win same. what about the the live activity stuff that we got where it shows you on the screen I mean, how do you like that?
0: I'm a big fan. You know, it was a slow start, and there are still things that I feel like are a little bit weird about it, especially in some of Apple's apps. Like, why can't I interact with the timer? <laughs> I wrote a yeah. big whole blog post about that because it drives me bananas that I can't type the timer lab activity and then go to the timer UI. I have to like go around my elbow to get there. But I love them because I can just glance at my phone with the always on display and see what's going on. M- one of my favorite uses, other than the timer, is sports scores and weather. And so I can keep up with a basketball game or a football game, just going about my day and just glancing at my phone, right? Say that we're say that we're out somewhere and I'm keep trying to keep up with the game. Well, I don't have to like unlock my phone and snoop around it. It's just there on the lock screen. I can just l- look discreetly and put it down. The same thing with the weather. And it makes the iPhone so much more alive in a way that I don't think I had my hands wrapped around, my head wrapped around when they announced this. But now that we're into this, I want, you know, more and interesting things done in live activities because I think it's really powerful.
1: Agreed. Agreed. I, and this is another one where I just want more. I want more the ability to do more with this stuff and use it more often Uh, interactivity and quick, Information off the little thing in my pocket is something I really like. Uh, a, a big win for me this year has been the updates to focus modes. Uh, I had a wish list last year going in and basically got everything. Focus modes are way more powerful now. I still can't seem to get my arms around how many people are using them or taking advantage of them. I've done like a lot of teaching on this in the Max Parking Labs and it seems to be a lot of it landing on deaf ears. Mm-hmm but this stuff can be really powerful and i just i just really i think i'm a power user of focus modes by and i'm using them all Uh, i don't have any available focus modes left because i've got all got them all used Uh, right now i'm in podcasting mode and that changes who can get through to me and what shows up on my screens and all that stuff And uh, I feel like this is a huge problem in the world. I mean, this is like a big theme of what I do in the labs and just in general as Max Barkey, is that I really feel like this technology, as much as I love it, can really wreck your productivity and your ability to do the things that are most important to you. And uh, Apple bringing something like this shows that they understand that and that if you're willing to put the time and effort into it, you can actually make the technology serve you a little better and i uh, i really love focus modes i guess i should stop saying that <laughs> i do
0: i mean i think i think most people don't even take advantage of do not disturb till my next yeah. calendar event or until i leave this location right which which are yeah. very basic things uh, i think apple i think there's there's room to make that stuff more accessible but the improvements they made and it being year over year right we didn't have to yeah. wait two or three years for focus modes to be improved that's awesome. And that wait sometimes is so frustrating. And so I, I like if we're gonna do annual releases, like features should get attention every year. We shouldn't have to have to wait for a a 1.5 or 2.0 kind of a rethinking of something or an addition of additional things uh until it's been out for two years.
1: Back in the old days, we used to always hear about how keynote had a champion in Steve Jobs like mm-hmm. he loved using keynote as a result uh, keynote got a lot of love and a lot of resources added to it and it, it made regular updates I have this pet theory that based on two years of of substantive updates now that that this focus modes has a champion at Apple I don't know who it is you know maybe it's Tim Cook or somebody close to Tim Cook but it, it feels to me like somebody there gets it and they're trying to really make this work. But I'm sure they're also going to be paying attention to how many people use it. And they're going to adjust resources based on how successful it is. But right, I feel like there's somebody there that's really pushing for this. And uh, I, we're, we're going to talk about focus modes more going forward. We've already done a lot on it, but I, I really want our listeners to try to give this a, a, a good try because this stuff really helps. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Focus modes. Thumbs up. (laughs) Well,
0: something else right up your alley were the improvements to dictation.
1: Yeah. It's so good. I mean, it's just so much. If you haven't tried it, you really should. I mean, just last night I was working on something and I had to write a kind of a long detailed email and I was sitting in my little comfy chair and I just turned on dictation on my phone and just started talking to drafts and, got a really great draft in just using my voice and i just find that delightful that that works and it's not i mean in uh in its day uh dragon on on the pc was so good i'm not sure we're quite there yet but it is close
0: i've been using it on the mac i think i've shared this but yeah. I've, I've been doing a bunch of reading and i want to uh in in paper books and i want to keep my highlights right I, I hate taking pictures of pages of books Right, i just a nightmare and i've just been yeah. using dictation to do it just reading the passage <laughs> into craft using apple's own dictation and you know what it's awesome
1: it's good i do the same thing like with my a lot of my journaling stuff um is day one and i just talk into it and it's just faster that way and the other thing that's kind of interesting is i feel like Sometimes I say more insightful things when I just sit down and start talking. Mm-hmm. When I write it out, I, I kind of filter and edit myself with the keyboard. and uh, I just find dictation has lots of uses and and I hopefully it just continues to get better. I'm sure it is. I mean there's a there's an accessibility angle to this, but there's also just a you know, it, it, everybody could do better if they had dictation with the work we could do, getting the lousy first draft in, um, getting quick bits of text out. It could make your writing easier, and I think they get that. What about live text in videos? So that was, you know, we had live text in photos the year before. Last year, they added the feature to pull it out of a video.
0: I'm not sure I've ever used it to pull it out of a video, but yeah, I I either. do use live text uh, all the time, mostly in the context of the Mac, but being able to, to rip audio or rip text out of a document or out of a, a picture is a fantastic thing.
1: I feel like the video thing is they did it because they could. You know, they probably mm-hmm. already did all the hard work to get it out of a photo, and a video is just a bunch of photos strung together. So <laughs> it's <you> know, true. <laughs> um, so they they've got it there, and I'm sure we've got people in the audience that are using it all the time. But that one, I just haven't had much of a use for. Mm-hmm. What about the overall stability? of ios at this point for some years that's been a real question how would you grade the existing stability
0: i think it's pretty good you know every couple of years they have a release that's pretty rough to start out with and and this year i think there was there were some hiccups early on in the ios 16 cycle but I really feel like it's been very solid for for months and months now, with with no real issues with crashing or hanging or anything like that. I can't remember the last time I restarted my phone to fix a problem. That used to be something we did all the time. Yeah, and so I think I think this the, that foundation is really solid now.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like that that was such a story for a long time about oh, my phone keeps crashing and Apple made this thing unstable, but. They just slowly made it good and stable and nobody really gives them credit for that. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's rock solid for me. And I've been really happy with it. And the people in my family that use their phones all the time, I never hear from them complaining about the phone crashing or not doing what's expected anymore. I run beta sometimes and that will result in some weird weirdness once in a while, but the public releases have just been great. I think. All right. Looking at stage manager, I feel like that landed better this year than it did for the Mac.
0: I think so too. Uh, That's not to say that it landed perfectly on the iPad, but the Mac already had several ways to manage Windows, right? You have simple control tab switching, you have mission control, you have spaces, whereas the iPad has only had slide over and split view, and it's had those for a long time. I hope that Stage Manager gets Additional attention. That's one of those things I don't think should wait two years. But for a a a lot of people, it unlocked a new level of multitasking that the iPad hadn't had before.
1: Yeah. I mean, I talk about this stuff for a living. So I have an omnifocus task. Every two months it says enable stage manager. (laughs) (laughs) And I and I turn it on and I use it. And I my rule is I use it until I just don't want I can't use it anymore. Yeah. (laughs) And uh so I've I've tried several times to restart it and get it to stick, and it still isn't quite sticking. Um, that being said, I am kind of a pro user, and I I kind of have solutions to a lot of this stuff. I think for someone like my wife or someone who's not listening to Mac power users, stage manager might just be perfectly fine as it is. But I, I would like to see them make changes to that. But Mm-hmm. they they need to improve upon it like you said but i i do feel like it scratches the itch on the ipad way better than it does on the mac
2: yeah
0: yeah i think that the overall story with the ipad is that it, it continues to be a little lost at sea right it's not yeah. a mac but it's not an iphone now the day we were recording this they announced final cut pro and logic pro for the ipad yeah. so yeah they're doing some stuff which is fantastic we we've long wondered why apple's pro apps weren't on the ipad but then simple things like the lock screen customization that we spoke about so highly with ios 16 is just nowhere to be found on ipad os 16 and that's how home screen widgets were a few years ago if you'll remember they came to the iphone and the ipad they were stuck in that weird sidebar for too long and then and then now we can have them on the on the home screen so i'm not quite sure what the deal with that is was sort of the uh two-step cycle of some of these features between the iPhone and iPad, but I don't think Apple's given up on the iPad in terms of the future of computing, at least for some people. But I still think it's a, it's a bit, a bit confused about what it is.
1: Yeah. And and I think that Apple is not nearly as confused about the iPad as us users have been. (laughs) Hmm. And that's partly because of marketing, you know, they, they do kind of sell it as a Mac replacement and, It could be for some people, but most people it is not. And I think they're very clear on that internally, even though the marketing isn't quite as clear.
0: This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by SaneBox. SaneBox is this amazing service that makes your email something that you can get your hands around. It brings your email under control. And it works with all kinds of email programs and services. You're not locked into some weird special app. I use mine with Google Workspace and regular Gmail accounts. I use Mail and Mimestream. But you can mix and match basically whatever you want. And it brings you really great email filtering. It learns what is important to you and filters out what isn't important to you. And that can save you hours each week. The Sane Later folder means that your inbox only has what really matters. And then there's the same Black Hole. If you drag a message into that folder, you will never hear from the sender again. My friends, this is an excellent feature and one that I use all the time. But of course, there's a lot more. There's Sane News, so you could have newsletters and things like that go into a folder, and then you could read them when you want to. They're not junking up your inbox with other things you need to see. And they're snoozing and reminders. So you can defer an email to the future. Maybe you get an important work email as you're leaving the office on Friday and you know you need to deal with it first thing Monday morning. Well, you can just snooze it until then. And you can set up reminders. So if someone doesn't reply to you, you can uh, get a reminder from Samebox. You don't have to go put it in your task manager. You don't have to hope you remember it. Samebox will just bring it back to your attention when it's time. With Samebox, you can also move attachments to Dropbox or other cloud services if your email provider doesn't give you a lot of space. There are various pricing plans available. They start as low as about $4 a month with a 14-day free trial at SaneBox.com MPU. When you go there, SaneBox.com MPU, you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan. I've been a paid customer of SaneBox for years. I cannot imagine dealing with my email without it. And my guess is you're gonna love it too, because 66% of MPU listeners who have tried Sanebox over the years end up subscribing. It's that awesome. Go to Sanebox.com/mpu for $25 worth of credit on any plan. Our thanks to Sanebox for supporting the show.
1: Okay, let's move to our wrists. Uh, watch OS 9. We got a bunch of new features. Uh, some of them, uh, I think, really landed for me this year. Others, not so much. Uh, let's start with the the health and fitness angle of it. What about this new expanded workout app we got with watchOS 9?
0: Yeah, so they, they've really put a lot of effort into that. They've honed in on what makes the Apple Watch important to people, and health and fitness tracking is the top of the list, along with notifications. You do get more detailed tracking for running and swimming, But they've added additional views for other types of workouts as well. Just continue to give people more information, more data about what's going on in their everyday life and then when they're also at the gym or out on a run or whatever. And that is something that I'm encouraged to see, right? I'm definitely not an expert in some of these areas, but I've learned about a lot of these areas because of the Apple Watch. I think that's exactly what apple wants i think they want their users like oh i'm not what's the deal with vo2 max like well, maybe i should pay attention to that and then you can start to pay attention to that so that is all exciting and i think apple's on the on the right track there for sure
1: yeah agreed the the compass waypoints was a big deal especially with the the arrival of the the ultra watch mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I'm really qualified to weigh in on that. I do a lot of hiking, but all the hiking I do here is very established trails, many of which I've 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 hiked many times. And it's Orange County. There are so many people on the trails. Like you cannot get lost on my trails. Like because first of all, the trail is obvious, and second of all, there's probably somebody 50 yards ahead of you. <laughs> You know, so um, I don't do the type of hiking where I would need those compass waypoints. I would be a little nervous, frankly, using just a watch for that. But I guess people do it all the time with their garments. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a nice feature. I don't. Do you do any, any of that stuff? Do you use the waypoints off the watch?
0: I've I've done it while doing the kind of hiking that you described. <laughs> Right, like I'm yeah. not going to get lost and die in the woods on my family hike, but yeah, uh, just to experiment with it and and to see how it works because it is such a big selling point now, especially on the ultra, and it is very impressive. I mean, they are making the watch more and more useful in those situations. Like right? the ultra also has the that high decibel alarm. It has automatic, uh, you know, as it says, had fall detection. It has vehicle crash detection, which I can. Report back does work. And so and so it is oh,
1: wait, wait, let me just stop right there. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that. So you were in a car wreck. I was. What what happened? My with watch, your watch
0: would not shut up. <laughs> and my phone didn't do okay. anything. When they're together, it defaults to the watch. And so it's like vibrating really hard and the screen is lit up with this red UI of like you've been in an accident. You have a countdown before it calls emergency services. So it it works. Uh I don't you recommend were, you trying that yourself, but I can I can tell you it doesn't yeah work. no
1: I mean that's not let's not you don't need to test it gang. Steven yeah. told you it works, I already, yeah but the, uh, it works. But but you you were upside down, right? I mean yeah. when the accident was done, so you're yeah. hanging there in your seatbelt and your your wrist is going off. Were you able to turn it off? I maybe? was
0: I was able to turn it off. Not uh, I, mean, I was I mean I hit my head like I was uh, not unconscious, but I was definitely disoriented, extremely disoriented. Yeah. So it took me a minute to kind of like, oh, okay, what is making that noise? Oh, it's my watch. But had I not been responsive, it would have called 911. And, you know, my accident was in a neighborhood. In fact, my truck ended upside down in someone's front yard. But yeah. God forbid I was in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, it, it gave me a, a very good feeling. Like, oh, if something happens to me or a loved one and no one's around, then they have that protection, right? The same reason, like, my, I finally got my mom to wear an Apple watch for fall detection. Cause she had a fall a few years ago. Yeah. That stuff is really important and it being just baked in and it worked, right? Like <laughs> my truck was upside down and my watch is going off and it, it knew what had happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because when the Apple watch first arrived, it was clear. Apple wasn't sure what, what it was, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they had some ideas, but, you know, very quickly it, they realized it's not a fashion item. It's a health and fitness item. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see the gold, the solid gold one anymore. No. But the no. Um, but they have really leaned into that. And, like, the, the car accident stuff, the fall detection stuff, the heart, um, you know, the heart monitoring stuff, they are literally saving lives yeah. with that device. And I feel like if we're talking about the state of the Apple Watch, we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. This really is a a useful safety item.
0: Yeah, I mean, our friend James T. Green, his Apple Watch warned him he had a heart issue, and it literally saved his life. I mean, that is I- incredible.
1: I, I have another friend like that, too. He had a warning. Uh, he had no idea he had any problem with his heart. He got a, a funny message on his watch. He went into the... A doctor. The doctor said, get to the emergency room. And he had a zipper like three days later. It wow. was, it was so fast. And he, as he says to me, I will buy Apple devices for the rest of my life because I'm here because of Apple, you know, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, setting aside the marketing and cheesy, you know, loyalty thing. Uh, I think that's exactly the kind of thing Apple leadership wants. They, for, for all the right reasons, they want to make devices that help people in that, in that, in a way. Yeah. And the Apple watch really is the best angle for that. And somewhat related is the medication reminders, um, where it taps your wrist and tells you to take medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had mixed results with that. I feel like, uh, one of my complaints about it, cause I use it aggressively. Like I even tell it cause I felt like I wasn't flossing enough. So I added a floss reminder at 1 PM. So after I ate lunch, I would floss too. And it just doesn't tell me what the medication or the the trigger event is on the watch. I don't really like that part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, I've been largely sticking with it, although I'm not as consistent with logging all my medication as I'd like to be.
0: Yeah, I want the notifications to be stickier. And so I ended up going back to do for that yeah. DUE, which is just like yeah. the canonical uh, remind you until it's finished <laughs> application.
2: Yeah, yeah. But
0: I love that it's there and that apple is rounding out their health stuff. I mean, the watch is kind of a, a gateway also talk about the health app and digitized medical records and so many other things, you know.
1: Where I think the state of the Apple Watch is in bad shape is watch faces. I I just cannot get over how we've had all this time and every year we get one or two watch faces and people still don't have the ability to make their apple watch face look exactly the way they want it.
0: Yeah, it's a tale as old as time when it comes to to watchOS <laughs> and for yeah. me it's particularly painful because they haven't added one in several years that I actually care for or solves a problem that I had that, you know, <laughs> it's still outstanding. Some of them are interesting like the reworked astronomy face on watchOS 9 is like this beautiful thing, but I think a lot of people fall back to older watch faces because it kind of works for them, or it's the least offensive. And I-, I hope that they can they can improve that. I mean, honestly, I want third party watch faces, but short of that, I hope they continue to expand. I think including in some of the computery watch faces, right? A lot of people use like the uh, what do they what do they call it the modular, modular type yeah. watch faces because it's one a lot of data, and those have been. Stagnant for a long time,
1: the everything. And I feel like we need more customization. Like even just like the California face, I like, but a a bunch of them, the hands are the exact same color as the background. Yep, it's just like a little white outline. And I want to be able to glance at it and see what time it is. And as I get a little older, it's harder to see that stuff. And a contrasting hand would be useful. A couple of them do have contrasting hands, but most of them don't. It's just. There's a bunch of little problems like that. And because Apple has held on to this so tightly, uh, that's the issue. I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't even want to get into that today. But I just feel like if we're grading the Apple Watch, uh, it gets a thumbs down on watch faces. And it's been too long. And then this should be fixed by now, in my opinion. What about the hardware? We got Now we've got a new Apple Watch class with the Apple Watch Ultra. Both of us have been wearing them for you know, almost a year now. What what do you think?
0: I am uh, I'm such a fan of the Apple Watch Ultra. I love the way that it looks, like the way that it fits on my wrist. But and everyone who has one says this, but the battery life is unbelievable. I do not think about the battery life on this Apple Watch. I charge it every couple of days when I get a sh- when I take a shower. Right. Other than that, it's on my wrist working, working out, sleeping, and it's it just goes
1: and goes and goes. 100% agree. I mean, and it's not that bad. It's not that big. Uh, I was just with some friends, some nerd friends, who were looking at my watch, and they wanted to try it on because they were all convinced it was too big for them. And after they all tried it on, they were like, oh, that's not so bad. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. It's very easy to get into it. Although I do believe, um, if we're talking about the state of the hardware, they should make a smaller Ultra. They should make one... For people with smaller wrists, um, just like they do on the regular watch, and I don't know what the the holdup is on that, but hopefully that we get that at some point.
0: That would be fantastic. I think a lot of people want the features of the Ultra, but the watch is just is just too big for them. And yeah, And it, maybe it's you know the size of the big standard Apple Watch. I don't think they could they would do an Ultra. Much, much smaller because I think the battery life is like part of the brand of the Ultra. But you could take it out into the woods and, you know, and go forever. But you're totally right. A lot of people, it's just, it's just too big. I mean, you see it on the wrist of people sometimes like that. That's obviously not, not quite working for you.
1: Yeah. Past guest on the show, Liana Lahua. Uh, um, she one of her jobs is she'll spend like the weekend out in the middle of the California desert updating all the uh, emergency services antennas because mm-hmm. Liana is uh, is such a awesome person right but she is like the poster child for an ultra watch face she needs it way more than I do or an ultra watch but her wrist is so small it just isn't going to work and uh, they need to make one for her yeah uh, so so th- that's something that needs work uh, the regular line I think is fine. Uh, do you think it's a bad idea that the the design really hasn't changed much? I mean, it's gotten a little bigger over the years, but the the square, roundish design. Are you okay with that? Do you think that that needs updating?
0: I think the standard watch line could take some inspiration from the Ultra. I think, in particular, the flat top is really, really nice. And it it gives the appearance of a bigger watch without making it actually all that bigger. So I I think it is probably, I think it is probably time. We'll see if they, what they do there. This past year in particular on the hardware front, the Series 8, it lived in the shadow of the Ultra for for sure. But it also, I think it also sort of suffered for looking like the 7, which looked like the 6. And yeah, and there was some good technology in it, but it kind of got overlooked. And I think Apple's got to do something about that.
1: And also the the um, the internal processor, the W chip, really has not advanced much. My understanding is the last couple of years, it's been basically a, a little bit of a souped up version of the prior one. Mm-hmm. They haven't really upgraded it significantly. So I, I think there's some work to do with hardware. I don't really have the answers, but uh, it is... You know, I think the, the big takeaway on the Apple Watch is as a health device, it's amazing and it just seems to get better every year. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move and get 10% off your first purchase. Just go to Squarespace.com/slash MPU and use the offer code MPU. The internet can be an amazing place. It's where I started my whole Mac Sparky career. But From the very beginning, I've always owned my platform. By that, I mean I never made Max Sparky a piece of somebody's bigger company platform. Instead, I always rolled my own, uh, always owned my domain, and always really controlled what I was able to publish. If you're thinking about doing something on the internet, I would give you the same advice. In fact, these days, it's even more important that you really own your presence, and Squarespace is a tool that can help you do that. It's an all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. With Squarespace, you can not only build a website, but you've also got all the components of a website that you need. Like you can have insights to grow your business because they have really good analytics. You can sell products with an online store. And I don't just mean uh, physical goods, but also digital products or even services. I ran my entire law practice on a Squarespace site. I ran Max Sparky on a Squarespace site. There's a bunch of family members and friends that are currently running Squarespace sites because I recommended it. And I really believe this is the platform to start on because it just gives you everything. It's really well done and it's very affordable. So head over to squarespace.com slash MPU right now for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. If you've got a friend or a family member that needs to build a website, be a hero and help them out. Help them get started. Go to squarespace.com MPU and get them that 10% off their first purchase. And you can also show your support for the Mac Power users. Either way, thank you, Squarespace, for all of your support of the Mac Power users and all of FM.
0: So up next, uh, we have TV, Home, and more. Some of Apple's smaller platforms, but ones we still interact with every day. And let's start with Apple TV and tvOS. I think for both of us, this is the heart of our entertainment system.
1: Yeah, I, I use it. I've got multiple Apple TVs throughout the house. Uh, we got new hardware this year, and the price went down slightly. Um, what, what do you think of the Apple TV hardware at this point?
0: I still think it's it's too expensive and I'm not sure what all that hardware in there is for. I mean, maybe it's for gaming, but I can't imagine a ton of people are using the Apple TV as a as a gaming box. It's vastly over-engineered compared to its competitors and that makes it more expensive.
1: Yeah. Uh, that said i 've bought them, and <laughs> I have oh them. yeah, and uh I use the apple t v remote to control my t v it's it 's really the way I consume t v The only thing if i I do use some other inputs for other devices once in a while, like a video game system or something like that, but uh it is overpriced, but i 'm still using it i guess i 'm just an apple fanboy, but the uh but I like the interface and I understand it and I look at some of the the built in interfaces, like one of my daughters has a roku based t v and it's pretty bad i I just feel like uh they've got a lot going here but but the but the hardware mm-hmm. it's just you know it's just it's you're right it just needs to be less expensive
0: yeah and t v o s is another one of those platforms where it's it's been in stasis for a long time. i think Apple really wants the t v app to be sort of the way TVOS goes and they're hamstrung by their partners there. I will say that TVOS being integrated with other parts of the ecosystem. So there's some home kit integration. We can like see camera previews. Uh Fitness Plus got some new features on TVOS this year. That stuff I really like. I like the Apple TV becoming more aware and more central in the home. So I hope they continue to go down that path.
1: Yeah. And I don't expect that they're going to make revolutionary change. Remember when Steve jobs uh, in his biography said, I've got, I figured it out. I've licked TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I I really think the problem with TV is there's a lot of other people in that business and uh, nobody's going to let you just take control of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But as a device in Apple's lineup, I think the Apple TV serves its purpose. I'd like to see it go down in price even a little bit more but overall i'm generally okay i don't feel like it needs a lot more than what it's doing right now Uh, i would like to see the ui get better and that some of that stuff i think is under apple's control and some of it isn't because once again you've got other companies with their apps and some of them you know do better than others i'm looking at you disney plus you could definitely do better uh but the um But I would like to see Apple kind of take the reins more on the UI element. Like maybe you build the tools so, you know, developers really have to use your viewer and they have to like kind of use common tools. So it's a common experience for users throughout, no matter which, you know, streaming app they're in. But uh, overall, I, I think it's fine. Maybe that's the right word for Apple TV. It's fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that works. It definitely gets the job done and it gets the job done in a pretty nice way but it they could push it harder i think
1: yeah homepod we got a new homepod this year
0: yeah the big one is back and um i still have one of my original big ones and i've got several homepod minis i think the homepod mini is still a, a better value out of the two i think my my sort of takeaway from this and i think what's most interesting on the homepod right now is the multi-user support. So you or your spouse could talk to the HomePod and it could put things on your calendar or send a message for you as long as your phone is present. Those sorts of features. I'm not using those features at home because I've got kids at home. and It's like that's a recipe for disaster. But in talking with people who have tried this, uh, the results seem to be a bit all over the map. But I think it's the most, in some ways, the most interesting thing Apple is doing in the home. Like individualized support and tasks that these things can do based on who's speaking is just super powerful. Potentially, if they can, if they can get it going.
1: Yeah, and I have a pair of the new ones. You know, I, I bought one uh, to talk about it, Max Barking, and then when my birthday came around, I, I, I bought another one. So I have a pair in here. They sound great. The Siri integration is better, but we're going to talk about Siri later. Uh, it's better. There's, I didn't say it's great. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> um, the uh, But I, I feel like I'm really happy that the HomePod now has large one out. I think that was a real hole in the line, and I understand that the better value is the Mini, but the better sound is the regular one. And I play music a lot, and I have like dark noise making rain sounds a lot. I, my, I, there's constant noise in my space. Uh, for various reasons and i think these sound really good i'm very happy with them and i feel i feel in a better place with the home pods than i have in a, in a few years now
0: we've talked about home kit a good bit over the last year as well this year they had a new home kit architecture that they rolled out and then backed off and then rolled out again i hit the button the first time <laughs> it was fine and yeah. they like pulled the ability to upgrade to it and Nothing bad has happened to my HomeKit network. It all seems to work just fine. The The story this year, though, and I think the story for the next couple of years is going to be Matter. HomeKit is sort of the backbone of Matter in a lot of ways, and Matter promises interoperability for devices so you don't have to like, oh, this switch works with Siri, but this one works with the Amazon voice, and this one works with Google. Matter promises to kind of get rid of those distinctions. It's been a slow rollout. It is officially out, and, and a few companies have jumped on board. Others have said they're they're waiting it out to see how it goes. But I think Apple has a real opportunity here to expand the HomeKit universe. If Matter really takes off and suddenly basically everything supports everything, that's really good for HomeKit and Apple. And so I hope they continue to, to stay engaged with Matter and continue to push it with their partners so we as consumers have... More and better choices.
1: I agree. I do think that the state of HomeKit is interesting in the sense that in the last year I've been playing with some of the uh, competitors, Home Assistant in particular. I put a Home Assistant server in my house, which is significantly more powerful, and it raises the question: Does HomeKit need to be this powerful? Well, I don't think so. Uh, Home Assistant is fiddly, you know, because with power comes fiddliness. Mm-hmm. But what I do think HomeKit needs to do is become more stable. I don't think it's as stable as like the iPhone we were talking about earlier. I think Home HomeKit and the Home app still have things that go wrong. We've got a, a, a locking door on the front door where usually we come home in the driveway, we unlock the door from the car, and then we just go in the house. And sometimes it just stops working and there's no feedback or explanation why So you can't troubleshoot it. And I feel like this stuff either needs to be rock solid or it needs to give you some kind of feedback as to what the problem is when it doesn't work. Other than uh, I was unable to unlock the front door, (laughs) you know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, that did not help me. But so I feel like there's work to be done uh, with it. I don't think I will. I don't think I need, they need Apple to make it competitive with some of the more nerdy solutions out there, but for, this to work for everybody out in the world, including the people that don't listen to shows like Mac power users. It needs to be easy, stable, and just consistent. And I feel like that is an area that still needs work.
0: CarPlay is like a part feature, but sort of its own platform. You know, Apple definitely wants it to be a a platform. They announced last year, the future of CarPlay, which is going to be this, brand new experience that spreads to all displays on the car. None of that has shipped yet. We'll see where that goes. Uh, but I, I hope that Apple doesn't take the eye off the ball in sort of the current generation of CarPlay because I think there's things there that they should improve, especially on larger screens. But uh, CarPlay is important, and it's it's the iPhone projected into the car and a whole bunch of people use it. if you believe Apple's numbers, a lot of people base car buying decisions on it. So while the future of CarPlay, while that sort of vision is exciting, also a little bewildering in places, I think they've got to, for the rest of us, until that future comes, they've got to continue to uh, to focus on it. One area that I think they've done a, a pretty good job with is allowing more third-party apps onto CarPlay. If you're if you're not familiar with this, you can't just write a CarPlay app. You have to apply for an entitlement from Apple, and then that uh, goes along with your app through the the process. And oh, I really feel like over the last uh, couple of years, Apple's expanded what can be uh, added to CarPlay. So we have voiceover IP apps now. So like I can take a Zoom call using CarPlay, I can take a Skype call using CarPlay. Uh, of course, you have sort of the standard audio apps, but we're now getting apps like Instapaper, which you can now use in CarPlay to read long-form articles to you while you drive. That's not in the original envisioning of CarPlay and how audio apps would work, but it is a a, a slow advancement of what these apps can do. And I want Apple to continue to be very picky about what they allow in CarPlay. But I think their expansion of the types of things it can do has been really interesting and and honestly, like uh some really useful stuff has come of it.
1: I agree. And I am one of those people that chooses a buying decision on the existence of CarPlay, I just bought a car this year, and that was a non-starter for me if it didn't support CarPlay, because I like the idea of having all my stuff connect to the car. Uh, I don't want to have to like go to somebody else's podcast app or whatever to mm-hmm. do stuff in my car. Uh, the uh, My new car has a much bigger display, and that was something I was impressed with, the way CarPlay can fill a big screen. I mean, I've always seen it on a very small screen, and it looks great on a big screen. I do think, however, that again, Apple has that problem of other people because (laughs) I feel like this last year is when the car companies are starting to realize that there's a monetization opportunity in the infotainment system. The car I bought has a bunch of cool services with it that you get for a year. But then after a year, they want me to pay like 20 bucks a month to keep them. Yep. And I feel like that is only going to increase. And I think that's going to probably make the future of car play announcement difficult to implement. And I also think that, uh, it just, it, it could be, it could be getting weird with cars and infotainment systems soon yeah. as these car companies are looking for other ways to make money. So let's just wait and see.
0: Yeah. My new truck is the same way. It has its own maps and services and I can lock it and unlock it with the app and see where it is in the world on GPS. Like, uh, and you know, I don't think Toyota's proven to me they deserve my money after the first year, but you see companies like GM kind of famously uh, in in the news recently saying, "Hey, our future EVs, we're not going to use CarPlay or Android Auto. We're going to build our own stuff in," and they see it as a service revenue opportunity. You know the uh, Wall Street's favorite three words, and that puts uh, that puts us as consumers kind of in a bad spot and. You know, where most people just want to plug their phone in or honestly leave your phone in your pocket with wireless CarPlay and have your stuff there. And then when you get in your spouse's car, your stuff is still there with you because it's based on your phone. And Apple, you know, could be facing a lot of, uh, to use a Tim Cook phrase, a lot of headwind there with its partners. And they got to figure out how to how to work through that. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. The Mac is a crucial tool for a bunch of us for work, education, and life. Everything I do is on my 14 inch MacBook Pro. And it's the heart of my setup for work and for personal stuff. And that's where Clean My Mac X comes in. It's developed by MacPaw, which pursues a mission to help your machine help you. Clean My Mac X is an ideal decluttering app for the Mac that can help keep it in tip-top shape. I love that Clean My Mac X is easy to use and that it looks awesome. Look, a lot of utilities, the UIs aren't all that great. Maybe it's even downright confusing what you're supposed to do when you open it. Well, the people over at MacPaw have really worked hard to make Clean My Mac X approachable for everyone. There are 29 tools in total in there. They prevent the most common issues macOS users run into, like uh, malware. We don't like to talk about it, but it is a thing on macOS, unfortunately, and CleanMyMac X is a great tool to deal with that. Give them prevent overheatings, you can speed up your performance, you can find hidden junk folders, and so much more. CleanMyMac X has been notarized by Apple, so it's been checked for security, and it won a Red Dot Award for the Best Designed Mac App in 2021. In the free version of CleanMyMac X, you have a free menu app to check on your Mac's health. And if you want to purchase it, you will get five percent off at macpaw.app/slash mpu. Clean My Mac has been around for 14 years, basically invented macOS cleaning. So once again, you'll get five percent off by going to macpaw.app. That's m a c p a w macpaw.app/slash mpu. There's also a link in the show notes. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of the show.
1: When we first started the, you know, the state of series, we talked about it in terms of Apple's hardware platforms. But what really has evolved over the years is Apple is a services company, too. And that really needs to be a part of the state of Apple shows. So let's talk about iCloud and other services.
0: Yeah. And I'll point people to MPU 681. We just did a big sort of iCloud explainer episode. Uh, talking about all the various components of it, I feel like at the at the high view though, iCloud being this collection of services that syncs data between your devices, syncs content between your devices. I feel like overall, things are pretty good. Uh, I feel like things basically work the way they're supposed to. Uh, I've been super happy and impressed with iCloud family sharing. I still want shared photo albums, but you know, my wife and I share tens of thousands of photos and it seems to be working really well. And so that's been a huge improvement. It's been a, a big thing that people have wanted for a long time that Apple find delivered in the last year.
1: Yeah. Agreed. I, Daisy and I use it. I, I'm just used to it now. I love it. It's a really nice thing going back to day one, but you know, she takes more pictures than I do when we go out and do family stuff and that gets shared with me. So Those are great fodder for day one entries, and you pull them in, it automatically dates the entry to the time of the photo, and no longer do I have to bug her to send me her pictures. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan, and uh, good stuff. Uh, Generally with iCloud, uh, this year we got a greatly expanded availability of end-to-end encryption. Uh, The way they, they rolled that out, was nice, you know, because there is a downside to end-to-end encryption, which means Apple can't save your bacon if you lose your password. So they make that really clear. I feel like they've kind of set up a nice model for that, so they could expand it even further going forward uh, with the same ideas. Uh, and uh, like the there's a that Wall Street Journal article came out a few months ago about the shoulder surfing, where people can look over your shoulder and get your passcode. Right, and once they once they get your passcode plus your phone, then they can change your your um your login credentials and all this other stuff. Well, if you look at the model Apple use with end-to-end encryption, I think that provides the answer to that problem. You know, you just, for power users, we can make it. So you can't reset the iCloud password with an unlocked iPhone. You've got to use a more robust model. But but I, I thought that was a really nice addition this year.
0: Definitely. And I think they've rolled those features out and, and uh, legacy contacts, right? So if Something happens to me who can unlock my Apple ID and get the content out of it. Those are important things and they're hard things to tackle, right? How do you build end-to-end encryption? How do you build legacy contact and like make it where people can understand it and turn it on and and get their, their heads around it? And, you know, I've basically turned all that stuff on for my Apple ID as well as Mary's. And, you know, our brothers have the legacy contact uh, they're set up in there. They have the the recovery key, everything they need for those things. And it it wasn't rocket science to do. It, it, yeah. it took, you know, an afternoon to do it all and make sure everyone was cool with the access I was giving them. And I have greater peace of mind now. If something happens to me. My family can get access to all my photos. That's really what I care about. The rest of my iCloud data can go with me, but I want the photos to live on. And they've... I think Apple's taking that really seriously as people move more and more stuff into iCloud.
1: How do you grade the general stability of iCloud? I mean, we still get outages occasionally, but it certainly isn't as bad as it was in the old days when Apple was just, quote-unquote, bad at the cloud.
0: I think it's definitely better. Apple weather has had a rough couple of weeks. I think I saw a headline today that it's down again in parts of the world. But I feel like overall... It's pretty solid. And when there are issues, they have this big dashboard you can look at online that has statuses of all of these things. And if anything, go look at that uh, page in the show notes because it shows you just h- how many things make up iCloud now. There's like 40 things on this list. But they're, Apple has done a good job of being transparent when, they're, when they are having issues. And that's something that we wouldn't have seen in the past.
1: Yeah. I mean, generally, I think it's acceptable. I mean, it could be better. I don't like having downtime on mail or any of these services. I mean, I don't want them any ever to be down, but I'm also a realist. I mean, yeah. they're running a lot of data for a lot of people. Occasionally, there's going to be a few problems, yeah. but it, it hasn't been a thing where I've needed data and I couldn't get it because there was some sort of outage. And there hasn't been a thing that I've experienced where I've had data and it got lost or something went wrong with it in their cloud. So- I feel like they they've really come a long way on services, or or cloud syncing services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and there there's one huge asterisk. You know what that is? Siri. No.
0: <laughs> no. Okay. What's a huge asterisk?
1: Siri. Uh, Siri. I've got a whole. We're going to talk about Siri in a minute. The, the the asterisk is is five gigabytes. Oh,
0: dude. Yes. So I've been, um, this is a side of our, but I'm working on the next Apple history calendar and it covers services and retail. Yeah. And like back in the day, dot Mac would give you like 10 gigabytes with your thing. Now we have less than <laughs> I that. that. I uh, love
1: that. I love uh, that. Of
0: course, that was hundred dollars a year. Um, we've talked over and over on the show. Like you just got to like take your mom's phone and make her pay the 99 cents a month. So she has her photos backed up. Um, five gigs is, is it's terrible. They at least, at least they have the thing where when you transfer a phone, they will temporarily give you enough space to do that transfer via iCloud. But we're buying thousand dollar phones now. Five gigabytes is inexcusable.
1: Okay. The fact that they have to give you extra storage when you transfer phones is not a positive. That's an indictment. <laughs> it that is. Oh, it is. It really is. I mean, come on. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to say. They, Mm. I mean, I have a standard joke. We have now had five gigabytes of free data longer than the Beatles were together. And that just continues to be true. Yep, (laughs) You know, but the, uh, there you have it. Five gigabytes, all five gigabytes. Mm. So that I would love the next time we do the state of the services to not be able to have that asterisk. Same. The, I think though, the product that needs the most love from Apple of anything they make right now is Siri. It's just not there. You know, it's been long. I mean, Steve, it was Steve Jobs was still alive when they announced it. I use Siri regularly. I am not somebody who ignores it. I just did a whole video on the labs of stuff that you can do with Siri that consistently works. And there is some stuff, but it's not enough. And for the amount of time it's been out there, you compare it to the stuff their competitors are doing. whatever the reason is, and I've heard various reasons, some of it's the underlying architecture doesn't make it easy to update. And I've heard all sorts of different reasons. I'm not really interested in the reasons. Apple has a lot of money. This needs to be better if they're going to go into the future with this kind of stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's even before the conversation of large language models and this new world of AI we suddenly find ourselves in. Like, we're talking about the basics of when I ask it to call my dad, it says you don't have a dad in your contacts. One, that's like kind of heartbreaking for a lot of people. Uh, but yeah. two, like that's his nickname in contacts, and it's been his nickname in contacts since I got my first iPhone in 2007. And you're telling me you can't find that, and it's like it works, and then it has just stopped working, and there's no reason for it. It's those simple, everyday things where Siri falls down that makes me that make me the most angry. We could talk about should Siri be able to summarize a pair, you know, a paper and give you a paragraph like Chat GPT can. Well, that's not even on the table for Apple because the basics are so bad.
1: Yeah. And people hit those roadblocks all the time. You ask it for directions to a location and it gives you the directions to that restaurant, but in two states over, even though there's one 10 miles from you. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's just that. A ton of little things like that that it it fails at. And they are making progress. Things get better. Uh, Shared ETAs, the Siri command for that works 100% of the time for me. That's awesome. But there are things that just still don't work. And I I really feel like uh, this is, again, putting myself in Tim Cook's shoes. I would say I want every vice president of the company to only use Siri for input for a month. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed to use a keyboard.
0: And you know what? The company would grind to a halt and it would be a good thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's like, I feel like sometimes I wonder, is anybody at Apple using Siri? Because some of this stuff has just been problems for years. And Mm -hmm. like for the longest time, I feel like I was too permissive of its errors. Like, oh, they'll figure it out, blah, blah, blah. But at some point it's just like enough is enough. Come on, guys. Yep. And every time this comes up, we hear from a ton of listeners that are just equally frustrated. I want to use this. I want to have a virtual assistant. I don't make enough money that I can pay a person to follow me around and do whatever I ask it. I would love my technology to do that for me. And I feel like Apple can deliver that if they put the time and the effort into Siri. But it's just not there yet.
0: I uh, I agree. It's, it's so frustrating.
1: Yeah. I don't think we're going to get the solution to that in a month at WWDC, but, but I would love for Apple to acknowledge it. Even you remember when they had the meeting to say about the Mac pro, okay, yeah. we're going to make one. I would love them to say, you know what? We we have a skunk words project on Siri. We're going to really put a bunch of money into this and just stay patient with us. We have something great coming, but they, they're just silent on it. So you wonder if they even care, you know, that that's frustrating. All right. Enough whining. Apple fitness Plus, How are they doing?
0: Uh, I think it's great. Uh, I use it. I believe you use it as well. Yeah. There's new content in there all the time. It's really easy to see where you are. It's really approachable. And boy, this is like such a shoe in for the headset, right? um, A lot of people like workout apps on the MetaQuest and, and these other platforms and I am sure that Apple Fitness Plus has a big place uh, in whatever this headset product is going to be.
1: Yeah. Although I have been disappointed that they haven't expanded more uh, workout types. Uh, tai Chi is one in particular I would like, but that's just my own little um, my own little domain. But they, I, I feel like they were expanding a lot more at the beginning, and I haven't heard as, you know, mm. th- there aren't as many new workout types showing up. I'd yeah, like well, they're refilming
0: them. it all for AR. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> they may there be.
0: They may actually be doing that. Uh Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. In the beginning, it definitely was faster, but at the same time, I don't feel like I've like hit a wall and like oh, I've kind of done everything I want to do in here. So uh, maybe some people have. I'd be interested to hear if people who have used it a lot more than we have or than I have to like, is there a a boundary you can run into?
1: Something I really love about Fitness Plus because I had a gym membership before and. I am not a person who responds well to, um, you know, the typical kind of gym, get in your face, come on, you can do it kind mm-hmm. of thing. That, that just makes me want to run, yep. um, uh, and run out the door, not on the treadmill, but the, mm-hmm. uh, I, but the, I feel like the, like the attitude of the coaches is so positive. If you're somebody who is not a gym person and you haven't tried Apple fitness plus, you really should, because, They've got it right. I mean, the people they hire are amazing. They make you. I feel like some of them are my friends. You know, just hearing them give me these workouts. It's a weird. It's a weird dynamic. Maybe as a podcast listener, you can relate, right? But the um, but they're really great, and I would recommend Fitness Plus anybody who hasn't tried it, no matter what your fitness level is. There's something there for you to help you get started. Apple TV Plus. How are they doing? There's a lot of good stuff on Apple TV
0: Plus. Boy, shrinking. It's fantastic. I recently watched it so good. uh I think that they ha- need to prove that they can be maybe a bit more consistent with the quality. I think there's some stuff that has actually kind of been a uh, a miss and of course, like Ted lasso and maybe for all mankind and maybe severance like some of those have really taken a lot of uh a lot of attention. What other shows, other shows or movies go into the radar? Like, I think they got to figure that out because there's a lot of stuff on there, and I feel like maybe I'm missing good stuff and running into stuff that's not that good. I think they'll figure that out. Uh, I think part of that's a UI problem when you look at what uh, uh, all these platforms have. This to a degree, right? They all have so much stuff; things kind of get buried. So maybe they can work on that. But overall, if you had told me five years ago Apple would be making good TV shows and movies, or at the very least, and in a lot of cases, paying for good TV shows and movies that other people make. I would have been surprised, but that's where they are with it, I think.
1: Yeah, I feel like they've had way more hits than you would expect for something as new as Apple TV Pluses.
0: They've won uh, a whole bunch of awards. I mean, yeah, a lot of awards.
1: And Daisy and I watch Ted Lasso every week, and we're going through it. And we were just commenting after last week's episode that that show just really does make you feel good mm-hmm. about humanity. And I feel like sometimes technology in the modern era, it's very easy to feel negative about everything. And that show is a is a cure for that. Is shrinking like that as well? Or is it, it is. a different vibe? Yeah.
0: It, it, it's different, but it, it's in the same sort of vein of like, yeah, there's like some messed up stuff that these characters are doing and going through, but you end up feeling good about it.
1: Yeah, I, I really like that. you know. So I, I'm a fan. Apple TV Plus, better than I thought it would be. That's, that's my review. Yep, same. <laughs> uh, uh, financial services is another thing Apple does. This is the first time we've ever included this in the State of Apple show. But they kind of are a financial company now too.
0: They are. I don't use any of their services. I don't have an Apple card. I don't have an Apple savings account. I don't use Apple Pay Later. The only things I am doing is, you know, Apple Pay in the store. I use that anytime I can. And Apple Pay cash, usually to like send friends money for tacos (laughs) or whatever it is. Yeah. Part of me, maybe other people feel this way too. Part of me still feels a little bit weird about some of these things, about Apple kind of getting into financial services, but uh, that is what it is. Like I can't stop them. And so I don't know. Is that, does that resonate with you?
1: Well, the the problem Apple has is that they ran out of people to sell iPhones to. Mm. You know, for the longest time, they would open up new countries or whatever. Now, you know, unless we find another planet with consumers for iPhones, the only way Apple can grow is to find other things to sell. Yeah, and I think they've decided financial services are, are worth exploring for that. I uh, I feel weird about the buy now pay later service they have, mm-hmm. and I know that that's a thing, and I'm sure. Apple's going to do it in a classy way, but you know, I I I'm, I spend so much time encouraging my kids never to do buy now pay later <laughs> that I don't like the fact that one of my favorite companies does buy now pay later. So that that's a weird one for me. Uh, we had a, a situation where we tra- changed personal credit cards in the past year, and so we decided to try the the Apple card instead of the uh, the prior bank card we used for our personal credit card, and. I've been really happy with it. I love the, you know, it's just very easy to find out who's spending what uh, I've got one with a college kid. So I can, you know, very easily get notifications when she buys stuff. And uh, it's just a very family friendly credit card. I mean, still a credit card that, you know, if you don't pay your, your, uh, your balance every month, you pay a lot in interest. It's you know, like everybody else in the business, but, but I feel like it, it does a good job of trying to encourage you to have the right habits around these things. And for, like, sharing one with a kid, you can put spending limits and do a lot of stuff on it that's very easy to control right on your phone. So mm-hmm. I, I've been pretty happy with the Apple Card for our personal card. I also like that it doesn't put your number on the card. So when you hand it to a waitress or whatever, yeah, they don't walk away and write down your number. Yeah, yeah. So uh yeah, I, overall it's okay. I it's just kind of something to be watching. I'm sure they're not done with the stuff. It seems like they keep doing more. The Apple Savings Account thing kind of came out of the blue for me. I I had no idea that was coming, but they've got a high interest savings account now that a bunch of people are using. Uh I was thinking about recommending it to one of my daughters because you know, she's not getting any interest on the money she puts in the bank.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh
1: so we'll see. Uh I I uh I'm going to w- hold judgment on this. I mean, there's part of me, it's like, ooh, ick, they're doing financial stuff. That's terrible. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. But I feel like the we need to let them kind of play out what they're really going to do here before we can judge it too much. Yeah, that's fair. Well, either way, how about overall? How's the company doing overall? Where do you, you know, what's the state of Apple when you put all this together?
0: I feel like overall, they're in a, they're in a pretty good shape. I think a much better place than they were five or six years ago when we didn't didn't really know what was going on with the Mac and iCloud had some pretty obvious holes in its features. And, you know, we were kind of in that middle ground with the iPhone uh, and sort of the transition from touch ID to face ID. And, you know, I feel like, and I feel like overall, a lot of the dust has settled. The Apple Silicon transition is basically come and gone they're investing in the mac. Apple seems more than ever able to move the ball forward on all of its platforms every year. Sometimes it's not in the direction we want or the amount that we want, but they're not leaving things on the side of the road quite as often as they used to. And they they seem less distracted somehow, and I think that that is all good, all good stuff.
1: Yeah. I agree. I feel like the traditional Apple hardware is always my barometer of the company, and that's all doing great, you know. Mm-hmm. Macs, iPads, iPhones, they're all great quality. I expect the headset will be a great quality too, whether or not it's a hit. My biggest concern about the company, frankly, is this growth into services and services revenue, which comes out in weird ways like uh, perennial five gigabytes for free. I, I don't know, you know, how long that goes until you have a crash between the desire to make services revenue and make good hardware. like does yeah. that at some point? affect what I think the company is best known for.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's already infringing on their software uh, a little bit where you get these badges and system setting because you don't have this service or that service set up, or you get a full screen ad when you launch music. If you don't pay for Apple music, like they're already blurring the line on the software front. And I don't, I don't love that.
1: Yeah. But I also understand that in the modern world, your, your company is judged every 90 days on a Wall Street earnings call, yeah, I uh, there are very smart people listening to the show that know way more about this than me. But I've always felt like a ninety-day judgment for each company is a bad idea because a lot of times companies will make short-term decisions to juice the stock that cost them over the long term. And Apple has historically been a company very interested in its long-term, not its short-term gain. But I feel like the pressure for them to find new sources of revenue as the, you know, the, the, they get max iPhone out in the world. I feel like that's something they should be wary of. I'm not saying that, you know, we can change the way the world works, but I hope that the the leadership at Apple still has the long-term picture at mind. I think they do. I mean, I think guys like Tim cook and his lieutenants, they all get it, but you know, it's, it's, I would imagine to be a constant struggle for them to try and keep the short-term 90-day earnings call people happy, while really, you know, making Apple a company that is here in 50 or 100 years. Yeah, agreed. Either way, uh, what do you guys think? How's Apple doing? Uh, what's the state of Apple in your opinion? We've got a forum for that at talk.macpowerusers.com. Let us know. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm/mpu. Thank you to our sponsors today Tex Expander, Sanebox, Squarespace, and Clean My Mac. And we'll see you next time.